Hello, and welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique. And in this episode, we are going to have a little bit of reaction and follow-up on the Fixing the Healthcare System in the United States series. No, I'm not going to go into detail about coding and third party and how we got where we are in Medicaid versus Medicare. I know that bores some people, though. I had a fantastic reaction to the series and some uh, good points, not only from providers and physicians, um, but also patients. But what I'm going to talk about today is going to be short, sweet. Um, It's a Friday, so for me... I just open up my laptop and start talking before patients come in. But someone asked me, you know, why so many differences in healthcare? And I've been preaching this. I've been saying this. I, I graduated chiropractic school in 92. I started teaching, you know, you know, different things like pediatric neurology, different type of rehab within a few years. I actually taught some uh, histology and pathophysiology of injuries, I want to say 95, 96, 97 is when I started my teaching career with, uh, within the healthcare field. So in the clinical uh, field. So my idea is that healthcare is regional. Medicine is regional. And what does that mean? Well, every state has a board. So if you're a dentist, a chiropractor, podiatrist, medical doctor, nurse, you have to go to the board, take a test and they monitor to make sure you're doing okay. The part of what is okay for your state is set up by statutes. Now, medicine, many, many decades ago, pretty much uh, put, got together state by state and pretty much figured out what, uh, what was within the rights of a medical doctor, what was in the rights of a nurse to do day in, do, day out. And chiropractic, and even podiatry a little bit, was a little over the place. The last li- the last state license for chiropractic in this country, I think, was Louisiana. And it was like 1971. I'm not kidding. And defining what they could do. But just to show you in chiropractic, like in the state of Washington, um, they could not use x-rays and could only adjust or treat the spine only um, for decades and decades, they finally got extremities like shoulders, hips, knees, and toes uh, about 10, 15 years ago. What does that mean? Well, they were very limited to spine-only treatment. That's all they could do. You cross the river and go into the state of Oregon, and guess what? They were delivering babies. Chiropractors were pop, you know, doing minor surgery, taking off molds. Um, they had a full scope. They could do vitamins, minerals. They could adjust your toes. They could x-ray you, CAT scan you, MRI you, draw blood. Um, they could do, uh, they could do pap smears. Uh, There were chiropractors who just did women's health. I talked to a few of them. These gals would, you know, they were like doulas or midwives. One of them was a trained midwife because they were trying to change the law and she just went and got her midwife degree. I've been catching babies forever. I'll just, I'll just get that totally different. You cross the river and you weren't allowed to do that. Very regional. Um, Chiropractic's not the only thing like that. Now that was set by state statute by law, what you could do in er every state. Um, Minnesota has a very good law for chiropractic. Um, Some states do not allow certain things, you know. 
But for uh, medicine and nursing, it's pretty universal. Now, that's laws and what they can do, how they can treat. I'm going to hit you over the head right now with something that's more important, and that's culturally and socially and trends. So when you go to your doctor, they do what's called usual and customary, U and C. That means it is usual and customary so for chiropractors to do some type of rehabilitation, some type of stretching, exercise, maybe even some nutrition in this state. In other states, you have to be certified in it. You have to get further training in it, like Wisconsin. You actually, if you want to recommend a vitamin C tablet, you have to get 40 hours of more training besides the 3,000 you had in Cairo school and all your continuing ed. You have to be certified by the state to be able to have that bottle of vitamin C in your office. I'm not kidding. I go from Hudson and, you know, and cross the river. If I have a Minnesota license, I don't need that certificate, you know. So crossing the river, it changes things. You cross that St. Croix River and, you know, whoa, you know, the qualification change. And I understand that's, that, that is the job of the state legislature. Let's stop there. What's really more important is socially and what's usual and customary, what they usually do. For example, when I was getting my manipulation under anesthesia, yes, that's where a chiropractor goes in. They knock the patient out under Versed or a little light gas, a little anesthesia, and say they have adhesive capsulitis in their shoulder. It's scarred down from disuse. And because chiropractors manipulate adjust joints all day long, we're a little better than what the orthopedics do because they're pretty rough, you know. So kind of the difference between a woodworker and a carpenter. Um, so we would grab that shoulder and I could, you know, loosen up the scar tissue. You have to have further certification in it. I had to go to Texas to get the certification because it's not common here in Minnesota. So in some states, you know, they use DCs or even orthopedics, they're always manipulating the heck out of shoulders and ankles and knees. You go to other states, you come to Minnesota, right up I-95, and they're not doing it. Another example is like low back pain, iliac pain. You go down to Texas, another example, now this is a few years ago, um, but they did a lot of posterior sacroiliac injections. I mean, you would go to your GP who had a little extra training and they're dropping needles into your back to... Uh, to relieve pain. You won't find that here. And you have to go to a specialist and jump through hoops in Minnesota. So it's regional, how you treat someone. Um, I'm from uh, Baltimore and they had Johns Hopkins there. They do great, in the state of Maryland, great um, diagnostic workup. That is part of what they do. I call it the Johns Hopkins effect. You know, Johns Hopkins like is like a competitive medical university where one student's trying to outdo the best and they're, you know, they're really focused on getting the diagnosis right. You go, you go to other um, medical schools and they always, they always say, oh, yeah, we're trying to get the diagnosis right. But some push efficiency, some push, you know, access to care. It changes how the patient is treated. So let's give an example. In Florida, physical therapists do manipulation. They look just like chiropractors sometimes. Um, they go to the Stanley Paris School of Manipulations, continuing ed, and uh, he's got his own manip school. And they learn how to do some of this stuff. Well, that's great. Um, you, and people all up the East Coast have heard about it. 
Um, there's a Stanley Paris uh, continuing class, I think, in Baltimore, Annapolis in the 80s when I was out there, and it was no big deal. Um, they learned how to manipulate joints. I worked in a physical therapy clinic where a, half the physical therapists knew how to manipulate, and they were pretty good at it. And, you know, they could stretch and mobilize the joints. I came to Minnesota, and at least in the early late 80s and the early 90s, no one knew how to do it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And if you talked about it, oh, no, that's what chiropractors do or osteopaths. Um, no, PTs do it too. So healthcare is regional. The medicines that are prescribed may be regional. If you study the the research and the stats out there, the demographics, you'll find some states, some cities, you know, they have higher opioids. We know this with the opioid crisis. They have higher prescriptions for painkillers. Others don't. Well, did, is the human body different in Detroit than it is in Miami? Is the human body different in Houston than it is in L.A.? Is the human body different in Ord, Nebraska, as it is in Frostburg, um, Maryland? I don't know. I don't think so. So what we have to look at and what your, what your medical doctor has not told you is that your treatment is based on where he went to school or she, what continuing ed they do, what the culture is in the clinic. I know some clinics where, oh, they immediately do physical therapy for neck and back or whatever they have. You get six visits, then you have to go right back to orthopedic. I know other ones where they send you home with um, home exercises. And it, and it can be the same diagnosis in the same patient. In fact, I've seen patients who've had a more complicated, painful condition sent home with home ice and exercises for a couple of weeks, then come back where the person who just had a little like hangnail was given six day was given six visits of physical therapy then go back i'm exaggerating but i've seen this for 30 years now it is very regional what drugs what surgeries are very commonplace i just had a shoulder surgery i got six calcium screws put in they'll reabsorb my shoulder would be as good as new in a year and in two years if you do an mri of my right shoulder you never know that i tore my complete rotator cuff in my bicep imagine that you go somewhere else and that doctor may use metal screws which are more common he may use a different procedure because that's what he was taught and that's what he's used to same diagnosis same surgery or excuse me same surgical uh condition so that's something to think about that it's regional so if you go to your gp and say i want to try acupuncture on the west coast that may be very popular you go to the state of oregon they have naturopaths um, the state of washington has naturopaths nds these are people who go to school for four years after college just like an md just like a chiro just like a dentist just like a podiatrist to figure out how to use herbs and supplements and nutrition and diet and exercise. Some of them even manipulate, use all these natural conservative um, therapies to get you better. Well, I'm sure if you go somewhere in the middle of Kansas they don't, and ask your MD for a referral to a naturopath, they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm not trying to disparage Kansas. But what I am saying is it's very regional. It's what you're used to. It's what you're exposed to. I know in Minnesota, functional medicine, that's where an MD is trained in doing further blood tests and trying to plug the holes in the patient's nutritional weaknesses 
or genetic weaknesses. Say they have an enzyme issue, a conversion issue in the liver. So they try to change that, convert that. What does that mean? Understand that your provider may not tell you that their understanding of what your condition is is based on where they went to school, what continuing education, and the other doctors they hang around. That's why, why you may have to do some of your own research, talk to other doctors, and then just ask your provider point blank, is there anything else out there? Is there any other research? What else is there? And sometimes they hold on to their opinion, but it's different. Everything's regional. I know when I moved to Minnesota for the first time, I picked up the phone. It came from Baltimore. And in Baltimore, lacrosse is very big. It's as big as ice hockey is in the upper Midwest, especially Minnesota, the state of hockey. I picked up the phone, called the, the local regional park or rec league, and said, hey, where's the men's pickup, adult men's recreational lacrosse um, league and team? Because I wanted to join, get a little exercise. They had no clue. It, and this is 1989. And they thought, you know, it was like I had a hole in my head. Then I looked around and realized the junior highs, the peewees, the high schools had no lacrosse teams in 1989 in Minnesota. They do now. It's picking up. It's becoming more popular. But that was unheard of back then. So, Fred, what does lacrosse in Minnesota in 1980s have to do with my health care? Everything. Everything is regional and what that individual knows. I know that there's some really rare conditions like POTS, positional orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, um, mast cell uh, activation disease. There's a few very rare conditions that I commonly see in my office. Um, uh, you know, different hypermobility syndromes, genetic and non-genetic. That if you went to you know the average GP and say, hey, I think I have. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome one or two, most likely two, or hypermobility syndrome with POTS, you know, the GP would be like, what are you talking about here? You come to my office, I have brochures about some of these uh, hypermobility uh, issues right from the Ehlers-Danlos Society um, website. I just print them off and put them out because some of these conditions... I know Lyme's disease, if you remember, if you go back 10, 20 years, I had a family member who had Lyme's disease and no one could diagnose it. And, you, and he used to um, camp and backpack and camp out in, near Connecticut in that whole area of New England. And guess what? They didn't know what it was in the 70s and 80s. Now it's very prevalent and people actually check for it. I know that I used to send patients out 30 years ago to have their vitamin D level tested because they just had achiness and immune system issues and all the things that vitamin D can address, you know, sleeplessness and insomnia, um, depression. And uh, I once had a GP tell me, why would they ever need vitamin D? They get out in the sunshine and they drink milk. And I on the phone, and I remember that, it was about 1995, and I didn't hang up on the dock, but I was like, you know, can you just do the test? Now, luckily, in Minnesota, I could just do it myself. I just sent them to a lab that would take my referral and found out that person was low and needed some vitamin D. Now, you go to your GP in 2020 anywhere, and they will up in the upper Midwest, and they will do a vitamin D study because, of course, now the mainstream medical journals are and the continuing ed is talking about vitamin D. So, you know, the MDs go to continue ed. They learn, oh, how horrible low vitamin D is and da-da-da. 
when you Monday morning when they get back from the seminar, you know, it'll be amazing. You know, you'll get, you know, you'll, you'll get um, the vitamin D test. So medicine and healthcare is regional. Just understand that. So you, you may have to ask around. And that means ask the doc. If you have a good doc, a good provider, a good midwife, good nurse practitioner, good PA, good DO, good GP, whoever you have, they will say, hey, you know, let's find something else. Let's look around. And they will, they will help you find something else. So just realize that your regional culture, you know, is more than just the vernacular, colloquialisms, how you talk, whether you, you, ha- you say pak the ka or y'all come back here. So that it's more than just the regional way they talk. It's how they practice. You'd be amazed, especially like in maternity care. How many people use midwives or nurse midwives? How many C-sections are done? How pregnancy is looked at? Um, just like how like lifting weights and diets and chiropractic and acupuncture, uh, going to your MD, vaccinations. There's a regional flair to everything. You just want to make sure that that regional flair, that regional difference doesn't affect your clinical outcomes, doesn't affect your health. Ask your provider, work with them. Is there another thing to do? Can we do an injection instead of a surgery? How is there a different type of surgery? Can you use a different approach? You'd be amazed at how many different approaches there are, say, for back surgery. In the back, in the old days, they used to just cut a piece of your ilium out, cut a piece of your hip out, your pelvis, and fuse everything up. Now there's artificial discs, and there's a way of just going in and cleaning out the IVF foramen, you know, opening up the hole for the nerve. There's all kinds of different things they can do now. You want to make sure that your care is based on what's best for you and not just what is usual and customary for the area. Maybe there's something that's usual and customary in a different city, a different town, in Europe, that would work for you. One thing you're going to learn about healthcare, and we, I didn't go into different countries, but there's certain medications that are approved in other countries that are used all the time and not used here for whatever reason. And safety's not the issue. Side effects aren't the issue. So once you learn that maybe in your town you've been going to the same doctor, the same clinic, you know, getting okay care, but realize that that's the culture of care. And for the average, for the vast majority, 70% of what they see, it's fine. You just don't wanna be an outlier. So, and if you are, get some help. Talk to your provider. Make sure that they say, okay, I'll refer you here, or I don't know, let me, let me call um, a friend. I know I call Dr. Pete in Fort Wayne, Indiana, about some real complicated things all the time. He's one of my lifelines, and I have a doctor in uh, uh, Texas I call. I have a doctor in Duluth I call. I have people that I reach out to to find out what the cutting-edge things are, and I try to stay up on it myself. So realize that what your doctor may not be telling you, they may not even realize that all healthcare is regional. There's an internal bias to the healthcare you receive. And this has been another fact podcast. <laughs>